0: I'm Shereen Patek and this is Starting Out. Digi's podcast, where I talk to the leaders in the marketing industry about their personal stories that make them the prominent voices and decision makers in the business today. My guest on today's show, Yogi Raj Graham, the global director of the Creative Content Labs at Intel, through its in-house shop agency Inside and a number of production studios worldwide, Intel has done for years what seems to be especially on Vogue right now among marketers: tried to keep control of its brand journey. Yogi joined Intel four years ago after a career in films and on the agency side. Today, he leads Intel's team of storytellers and creators that serves the Intel brand, helping it win multiple awards and prove that in-house does not have to mean boring. The road to going in-house, including the hard parts and the easier ones, on this week's episode.
1: You know, about four years ago, uh, or uh, longer than that, we, we had a new CEO come in who brought in a new CMO, and the new CMO brought in a new global chief, creative. And that was, at a I think, a really pivotal time for Intel because uh, we were making the shift to becoming an experienced brand. And so we, basically what that meant is that we would stop, we, we, we stopped pointing at the technology and saying, look at that. And we started saying, look at all of the amazing things that our technology powers, that our technology makes possible. So that was, a, that was a shift. And that was the time that the current iteration of in-house creative started to take shape at Intel. Um, you know, I think companies do it for a lot of different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, certainly cost savings is one of the reasons. Um, but then in doing, in doing so, I, I, and what I believe is that if, if you look at the last three or four years, you know, more and more companies and brands and certainly leaders in tech, uh, bringing, bringing some of the creative in house, I, 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 believe that there's starting to be a recognition of the value of ownership in the creative process. So not only is it a cost savings, not only can things be done, um, you know, in some cases more easily and more efficiently. But the benefit of being inside and the benefit of, of being a true owner of the brand translates to a different approach to um, mm-hmm. crafting a creative body of work. And I think that there's also a great advantage there. So it, it's not something that, that, that is always done smoothly or that is always done well or, or right or comfortably within a company or a brand. Um, but I think more and more companies are starting to get it right. And as they do, it'll prove out more and more value. I think it's right for Intel. I think we've been able to do really incredible and effective things for Intel and the, and the business units. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it takes a different shape depending on you know what brand a creative group is inside of right. and where they are.
0: You, let's go back because you sort of mentioned sort of there was this shift almost in the thinking of what we're doing when we're talking about our brand from the point to – Point to the technology. To what does technology do for us? Tell me a little bit about sort of that shift internally. I mean, obviously, and that was happening kind of on a large strategic level, um, and obviously that changed, and that changed and affected how obviously Intel sort of talked about itself. What changed to actually make that change happen?
1: Well, when I came into agency inside, I was the I was the first external hire into the group, and I think a, a huge, I mean, really the thing that brought me into the group was. Teresa Heard's vision and Teresa Heard is the chief global creative for Intel and, um, and she's the one who started Agency Inside um, and, and Intel's a company that likes uh, and, and listens to data and I, th- I think that at a certain point our uh, you know the product that we were best known for which are our processes had become so ubiquitous that we stopped having to explain to people what we did really
0: so everyone, already, everyone knew when you said Intel, what that meant?
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and I think what, what the data was showing um, Intel is that people knew what Intel did, and mm-hmm. that was chips. But in reality, um, that was about half of what we did, and, and I, I believe now is less than half of what we do. So um, I think there was a real desire to talk about the broad-based technology, um, and, and everything that was happening within Intel, not just the, the, the core business of microprocessors. When I came in, there was the idea to build this creative group to support the brand and the business units. There were some existing roles within Intel that it seemed to, to make sense intuitively that, w- that would become part of Agency Inside. Um, so there were the make there, there were the beginning of the makings of kind of an account team. There were the beginnings of the makings of um, some production muscle in terms of oh you know, post production and we you know we had some DPs we had some people in post production we had some people in audio um, and so really the very beginnings of agency inside were bringing these these. Um, small groups and individuals from different parts of Intel together in a way that made sense to start to build. Um,
0: what and, was the hardest part of that?
1: Well, you know, it's funny that I, <laughs> I had, a, you know, part of my job, part of my mandate was to build, um, was to build the, what it was, we were previously called Intel Global Production Labs and we're now called Creative Content Labs. But part of my mandate was to build that group. From the ground up, and i what I found was really challenging in the beginning was um, telling people what we were doing. And this is—it's this only. You mean internally? Yeah, internally. Saying, "Hey, we're starting a creative group inside Intel, and we're doing it here at Intel headquarters in Santa Clara." And people would say, "Wait, wait, what are you guys doing? And wait, where, where are you doing it? Where is Santa Clara? Is that oh, it's Silicon Valley? Oh, it's San Jose? Um, well, what work have you guys done? What do you think you'll work on?" And, you know, without having a legacy of work to show um, and, and certainly, you know, extra hurdle of being in Silicon Valley, <laughs> it was hard. It was hard to build and hire.
0: Was it hard to hire? Yeah. Tell me a little bit about talent, because I think one of the things and, um, you know, people are talking about, like you said, with, with in-house um, and any in-house agency is talent's always sort of a challenge, you know, and but I think the challenge is different based on what the brand is. What was the hiring challenge? Cuz what what or what remains the talent challenge for you?
1: Well, you know, I a lot of the roles that we that we wanted and needed initially were things that are most commonly found within traditional agencies. And um and and I think now there's much more of an interest and a hunger to work internally. Um uh, but even, even three and a half, four years ago, it was, it was still at the earlier stages of becoming a known thing of value in the industry. So going internal was a barrier and, and going internal in a place like Santa Clara, San Jose, um, was an even bigger barrier. Uh, people
0: don't like the weather.
1: <laughs> I think the weather's perfect. The weather to me in San <laughs> Jose, it's just like LA. I'm just imagining
0: like, somebody yeah. saying, oh, well, yeah, the place there is just the weather <laughs> yeah, it's
1: not the weather weather's fine <laughs> but it's um you know people want to be in people want to be in new york people want to be in la people want to be in san francisco and i i totally understand well, there was that.
0: sort of this idea that kind of the the heart of creative advertising remains or is in these these pockets and anything outside of that um, whether santa clara or or you know for other types of marketers maybe the middle of the country sort of it remains it remains something that's very confusing or at least it was things seem are things different today
1: uh, you know, I agree with that analysis and I do think things are really different today. Um, and I think, I, I honestly think, and I say this humbly, but I think what we've done at Agency Inside has actually been a, a, a catalyst and, and certainly a part of what has, um, what has made people aware, um, uh, you know, more readily of, of the opportunities and, and the strengths and um, kind of a, a, diff- a, a bit of a shift in terms of what's possible in the industry and it makes people curious and i think it makes people um uh th- there's there's much i think much less of a of a stigma of any kind of, of being internal now whereas whereas three and a half or four years ago someone had to make a really big leap of faith to go internal i, th- I just think that leap of faith is much much smaller now and it's a it's a leap a lot of people are, are looking are looking to to do and i'll say that there are a couple of things that were really key for us in terms of I'm um, picking up momentum, because um, we went from, you know, being a very small group to being a, a, a really quite a large group now, in three and a half years and hiring went from being a huge challenge to, to not at all being a challenge now. I mean, we, we're absolutely attracting and getting the talent we want and need to build a business. Um, opening an office in San Francisco made a difference to that end. and And the bulk of our group sits in San Francisco now. Um, but also a, a really big part of, of what changed is that we put some I think really great work on the map and we started to get attention for that work and we started to win awards for that work and, and you know we had a, a New York Times article published on, on the group and what we were doing uh, I think about two and a half years ago now and certainly that opened the floodgates of interest and awareness that helped us grow more. And I think a lot of positive press, you know, success on the on, on the award circuit and, and just good work. And um, I think human compelling work that was that was engaging people, um, not only just consumers, but people in the industry um, helped us attract and grow at a, at a much faster pace. So the experience of hiring has dramatically changed in three and a half years since I've been And there was
0: sort of this idea that, you know, erroneous, surely, but there was this idea that, well, if you went in-house, especially for creatives and was, oh, you're a sellout. What are you doing going inside? You're supposed to be part of an agency. And there's definitely been a shift because so many, so many creatives have now gone to brands and are doing work for them. There was sort of almost like a sea change there.
1: Yeah, there was. And, and I, the, you know, the, what attracted me to go in-house is that I always just really most enjoyed my job on the agency side. And I spent years and years in traditional agencies. I, yeah,
0: because you were at 72 and Sunny. You, you mean, you'd spend time at sort of all of these big, um, important and famous places, too. You yeah, know a, what it was like on that side.
1: Sure, absolutely. And I, I just I'd always most enjoyed my work when I got to work on one brand for a long time. And I asked myself See that's
0: interesting because I always hear that well that's not what the agency people want. The reason they want to stay in agencies is they get to work on I don't know 17 different brands at any given time. They enjoy the the sort of wide variety of things, but then you're sort of saying actually when you liked it was when you really got to focus.
1: Yeah, and I might be, you know, I might be the odd one out when it comes to that, but for me absolutely when I got to work on a single brand for a, a long time, I enjoyed it the most and I I kind of tried to work out why that was and the way I answer that question is like, well, I like being close to the business. I like understanding what goes into the strategy behind brand building, um, behind supporting a new product line. Like I I was always very curious about what was going on on the client side of things. And and so coming to Intel absolutely um, gave me personally the opportunity of going way deeper in that way. And not only of going deeper, but having the access within a brand um the kind of immediate oh, access give, that, give me
0: an example of of that sort of i don't know maybe maybe an anecdote or from a time you realize sort of you, you're the, the, the door suddenly open in a very different way
1: yeah sure thing i mean a, a really simple anecdote would be you know in an agency let, let's say you have let's say you have an idea for a brand that you're working on in an agency no matter who you are in the agency mm-hmm. an account person a creative a producer a strategist doesn't matter who you are you have an idea and um you think, oh, it'd be nice to consider this as part of a campaign. And you you, you probably then pitch it up through the the, the the account team to get to the client. And then by, you get to the client, you probably get to someone junior to mid-level <laughs> within the client. And then it begins to go up from, if it's a good idea and there's traction, it begins to kind of go up from there. Um, right. But, but within Intel, you know, at Agency Inside, certainly if you have an idea for a business unit at Intel for a client and um, – that you think could make a lot of sense, uh, Mm -hmm. you have immediate access to the person who runs that business. You have immediate access to decision makers within the marketing um, and brand groups that can can give you (laughs) feedback and answer those questions like pretty much immediately. And was so, that very
0: surprising when you first started? Because you were used to, you know, the, the first way of working for so many years.
1: Oh, I was so surprised. I mean, we have a... We <laughs> You're have like, a,
0: wait, we could just talk?
1: <laughs> I was so surprised. We'd have a 30-minute meeting. And in that meeting, someone would come up with an idea. And then, you know, our chief creative would say, that's really interesting. Let's run this by the head of this business. Um, perhaps that connects to this, to this campaign ask or this brief. And, you know, let's get the CMO's input and let's talk to the head of brand. And then, you know, by later that that afternoon, and this is not an exaggeration, we could have the green light to go and make something. And that to me, it was jaw dropping. I just thought, wait, did that happen? <laughs> this is so surreal. And um, I wasn't used to that. And that certainly that doesn't happen every day. But there are absolutely right. instances where it does. and. And there's, there's some magic there. And, and that, that's absolutely something that can only happen <laughs> internally. And it, it's, it's always fun when something like that makes sense and, and happens so quickly.
0: Quick break to tell you all about Digiday Plus, our premium membership product. For 3.95 a year, you get our wonderful Digiday magazine, access to a members-only Slack community, lots of invites to exclusive member-only events, event briefings from Digiday summits, and exclusive research and lots lots more. To find out more, please visit digiday.com and now back to the episode. One thing that's always been interesting to me about sort of intel agency inside creative content labs is, you know, how much kind of stock you've always placed in Producing things yourself. I mean, you have a lot of studios globally. Um, tell me a little bit about why, kind of, the production and you know execution aspect has always been really important to cultivate in-house.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I think there are a number of reasons, but I like one pro one, one project specifically stands out as a as a real learning and a turning point in that way and. That's when we did uh, when we did our project with Lady Gaga on the Grammy stage, and and I don't really like to talk about things that happened, you know, two and a half three years ago, but but that project taught us a lot because we she essentially used a number of different Intel technologies in a performance in a tribute to David Bowie on the Grammy stage, um, the, and it was a huge project and endeavor for us and for Intel, and um, when we were finished with that project, we realized how hard it was to bring our technology to a stage like the Grammys, um, how many stakeholders there were, uh, you know, how much need for really specific technical you know, integration there was. Um, and we did it you know, partially internally and partially with a number of, of, of vendors, of partners globally in the creative technology space and the production space we used to make that happen. And one other thing we learned at the end of it is how valuable it was also so it was the kind of thing we wanted to do more of and we decided then that we needed to be stewards of our own technology we needed to understand our own technology deeply we needed to have an understanding of the tech itself and of a workflow to bring those tools to these big and visible stages which is something that we knew we wanted to do more of and so at that point in our development as a creative group, I think we diverged a little bit from the, from the typical evolution because we started adding creative technologists. We started adding product engineers, people who code um, to, our, to our staff base uh, so that we knew how to do those things more readily. And you know, as, as the creative group in Intel, we have to put our own technology front and center in everything that we do. And if we don't, I don't think that we're the right kinds of stewards. And so to do that, um, we had to become more expert, and a lot of that stuff takes shape and takes form in the production process and alongside production expertise. Mm-hmm. So I think that that was did a the big- control
0: bit kind of come come into play there too, because you sort of mentioned you know you, you feel ownership, you you feel like this is something you work on, this is your brand. Um, and that you know comes right down to the execution level too.
1: Absolutely. Uh, You know, I think in a lot we've done, we've had a number of partners, we love our partners, we couldn't exist or function without them, we love and value those relationships. Um, But we also seek to, um, you know, keep as much mindshare and as much learning, um, and as much of the technical heavy lift internal as we can, because every time we do it, we learn more and more. And it makes it it makes us more able to deploy those tools again, on, you know, similarly big stages. Uh, without having to reinvent the wheel. So I think we've gained a lot from keeping as much of that mind share as possible internal in technology and production. You know, b- being motivated by, by what's possible with, with Intel technology and that muscle um, and actually, actually feeling passionate, actually feeling super enthusiastic about it, and and feeling like an owner of that, mm. um, is not something I foresaw, you know, before I came internal, and it was something that really grew, um, a sense that grew in me, and I think a sense that has has grown in many of us who mm-hmm. are part of agency inside, and I think that's like like when when you start to identify with Intel first and foremost and then and then secondly you know with agency inside and being part of the internal creative group that's when i think you really get wings and and it changes the game that that and that's when this sense of ownership can change your approach to creativity
0: yeah and you and you mentioned data i mean you were you know the data was obviously telling you so there that this was a direction to move into when you say data sort of what did that look like and then how did that actually manifest when it said okay so this this is the direction that this company and and the different units within this company are moving into, how did that sort of start manifesting, especially, you know, right around the time sort of you joined about four years ago?
1: Uh, you know, when I first came on board, what I saw when I came into Intel was a real desire um, to stop just pointing at the technology and saying, look at that, and a desire to start saying, look at all of the amazing things and look at all of the amazing experiences that that our technology makes possible. Um and we we wanted to speak more directly to consumer um, at that point, and we wanted to essentially take credit for a lot of the amazing and and you know world changing innovation that Intel had been a, a an integral or a central part of. Um, uh, you know, for for the decades um, leading up to that point in time, and and so, you know, taking credit for things and saying, hey, you know, look look at look at what we've been part of, look at what our technology has made possible. That that hasn't always been something that Intel has done. We are. W- it
0: wasn't really like in the DNA.
1: Not really. I mean, we're, and I've noticed. You know, we're a, we're a modest company. We don't like to chest beat. Um, and there's kind of a quiet confidence to Intel. But from a brand building perspective. Um, it's really important to take credit for the things you've been part of and, and have powered, and and so really we just started to pull the curtain back on on um, on some of the things that we had been part of making happen and making possible um, throughout the decades preceding that brand shift for us, and and more of the things that were happening now at Intel.
0: <laughs> is know? it so hard pointing- to tell sort of the brand story for a company like Intel that is very complicated? firstly, and does a lot of things. And then secondly, is also has this almost this or had at that point, this sort of DNA of, you know, being relatively quiet, not really talking about those things, not really, that just wasn't something that they were doing. Was that difficult?
1: Uh, you know, I think it's always difficult, whether you know, whether you're a huge global tech giant as a brand, or, or just a, just a small shop of, of any kind, I think it's difficult to, Find um, what's most authentic at your core as a brand and then speak from that place and then brand a, a craft narrative that matters to people. I think that's the central challenge of marketing. And if it were easy, um, then there wouldn't be so many experts at, you know, uh, clamoring to make it happen. Uh, so no, it, it's not easy and it's never easy. Um, but I like to think that we we really connected to something that that was meaningful in that, in that we said, you know, look at what our tech makes possible. Look at the all of the amazing experiences we power, and then pointing to very real, I think, simple and human things um, that are important to people, and mm-hmm. and innovations in culture and history that have that have really changed the course of things, and and taking credit for that, I think, has been an important step in how Intel has built its brand in recent years. Uh, and yes, to answer your question. I mean, one thing I noticed, and it, it kind of took me a, like a year to get my head around it is, wow, we really are a modest brand. Like we, it, we're we not really comfortable doing this, you know, taking credit for these things in some way, although it's completely true and we totally, you know, believe it and, and all the evidence is there. There's this modesty that, that makes it hard for Intel to do sometimes and that's a barrier that w- that we that I think can be a challenge when it comes to marketing that mm-hmm. that we need to continue to break through.
0: It's it's funny to me because I I see so many sort of parallels between I mean there was sort of a time that there there's a, there's been a lot of big tech giants that have actually had a really large and outsized role to play because they're very innovative companies in a lot of things that people don't realize they did. I mean, um, we had Linda Boff on this podcast a little while ago, and, you know, there was something similar that kind of GE went through because a lot of people sort of thought of GE as appliances and thought of GE as a refrigerator, but didn't know that GE, I don't know, did planes or had a part to play in sort of aviation. Um, sure. And I think it was it's, it's interesting to me that there seems to be so many similarities there. And there is this thing today to kind of bring that to what's happening in the marketplace is that brands sort of have this feel, this need to kind of be more than just the product that they are. There's a purpose. as People keep talking about purpose-driven brands. Um, that's why every brand is now a lifestyle brand that you look at. What is What is it about kind of like the way you look at the consumer mindset and the landscape today that kind of makes that more important? That you can't just be, hey, I'm selling beer or, hey, I'm selling a beverage. It's, well, what does this actually mean to you? Why has that happened?
1: Um, I it's it. You know, I, I think that there are a, a lot of people who can speak in a more articulate um, way to that question, based on a lot more experience. But what I what I can say anecdotally is that you know everyone's clamoring for attention and everyone's clamoring for engagement, and um, you know. People can smell, you know, anything that's inauthentic a mile off, and they just walk. They just walk the other direction. Um, and I do that as a consumer. I, I think most people I know do that. You know, no one wants to be advertised to. No one wants to be um, told what to think, and what to do, and and certainly no one wants to. Uh, no one wants to engage with with a voice that doesn't seem authentic. So, I, so. It's that central challenge of marketing. is like finding what's most authentic to a brand and then speaking from that place. And, and there are a lot of ways to engage with people um, uh, more than ever before, I think, in history for brands. And, and that in one way um, makes things easier for brands. And I think the thing that makes it harder is that people expect a lot more. And they absolutely expect an authentic voice and new and interesting ways to, to engage. And if they don't get that, they stop, they stop paying attention and stop listening. So it's like so many platforms, so many opportunities for engagement, and yet mm-hmm. such a high expectation that, you know, I, I don't think marketers can sit still. And, and, and that's why there's this kind of constant evolution. And I think that, uh, and I'm not speaking necessarily just, you know, about Intel now at all, but mm-hmm. when, when brands take chances and step outside their comfort zone or break norms, I think, is when they take, they, they, they make strides and you have to kind of get comfortable with 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 that being a resting place.
0: Absolutely. Okay, Yogi Raj Graham, thank you for being on Starting Out.
1: Oh, thanks for having me.
0: That's Yogi Raj Graham, and that's it for this episode. Our producer is Adipi Sangal. If you liked our show, please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or Anchor.fm. I'm Shereen Bhattat. We'll see you next week.